So your your bad joke messed up my seamless segue. <laughs> You're welcome. So <laughs> I will start over. Wake up to a new morning. Pop in a little nostalgia. Just be kind and listen to the rewind. Hey everybody, welcome back to the rewind. This is Keenan. And this is Jonah. Oh my god. Okay, so. We are here to talk about the Smallville pilot. Yay! A classic. So good. So good. Um, it's been a while since I watched it. And then I watched it this morning uh, to keep it fresh in my brain. I think I gave the series a full rewatch before the pandemic. So that that should give you a time stamp as to how long it's been but Jonah you're yeah, currently you know, running through it mm-hmm. yeah I'm doing a rewatch now I think I'm on the n- season nine which is second to last because it ran for 10 seasons right yeah um so yeah it's it's been a ride and I originally I watched it when it first came on like up through I think maybe season five but then I went off to college and at college I didn't have the the channel and I was you know distracted by just trying to <laughs> survive college so I didn't really have a lot of time to watch from then on so it was it's been fun watching it for the first time like the second half of the series and yeah um it's it's something it has really I get I totally get now why it's like it's in the zeitgeist is like one of the like primary like standout superman stories at least oh yeah no it is generation people say like this is the dna through which the arrowverse could have been born you know like Mm -hmm. this this is the originator um i love because it was one of the first like superhero like uh it's when like the superhero like story really started to take flight for lack of a better term, like on the CW and WB, you know, network. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was really the only thing of its time. Well, no, I take that back. There was a show called birds of prey that only lasted a season um, that I enjoyed. And Rachel Scarson was on that show and she is now on Batwoman, and she is killing it she's so good um I didn't I'm trying to remember I would have been working like 2001 because it aired in October of 2001 so I probably didn't get to watch it as much as I thought because I would have like been working and in college by then right yeah because we graduated in May and I started working that January. So you graduated in 2001? Yeah. I graduated junior high in 2001. <laughs> the look that Keenan's giving me right now, you guys. <laughs> so he's like, bitch, you didn't even have to bring that up. <laughs> Burn. Burn. <laughs> so anyway, um, let's get into the series info it was written by alfred goff and miles miller 
this pilot episode was directed by David Nutter, who has directed a lot of stuff. Like, right? Am I making that up? His name looks very recognizable, and I can't decide if it's because I know it from the show or if it's from a variety of other things, but or if it's because every time I see his name, I think of Nutter Butters, and I love those cookies so goddamn much. Mm, wild. <laughs> um, I'm trying to pull him up on the IMDb. Oh, that's an episode he did on. Looks like he's done uh, some episodes of Game of Thrones. Why is IMDb so difficult to search on? Like, it's easier to use IMDb when you Google something and then just go to IMDb. Searching on it is a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, his so his filmography has <clears throat> The Time Traveler's Wife which I guess is a series. Yeah, Game of Thrones, Lost in Space, Shameless. Yeah. I wonder, he, evidently he does a lot of pilots. Arrow. Yes, he did do that. He does a lot of pilots. He did the Flash pilot. He did this pilot. You know, I wonder if he's one of those um, <laughs> directors who is probably sought after when it comes to creating really dynamic like impactful pilots if you want to get it maybe he's like one known as one of those who like you want your show to get picked up hire david nutter because he clearly right. specializes in pilots er he like he roswell he several, <laughs> roswell he did natural he did dark Nip-tuck. angel <laughs> he's done it all the X-Files. Oh. Wow. Who knew? I sure as hell didn't. Okay, David Nutter, we see you. We see we you. See we acknowledge you, you and we stand. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, David Nutter. And as you said earlier, the show premiered October 16th of 2001. Jenna, do you want to give us the pilot? I would be honored. So the first episode of Smallville tells the story of the 1989 meteor shower in Smallville, Kansas, and its meteor rock effects on the small town. Clark Kent is adopted by Jonathan and Martha Kent after they discover him as a young boy in Riley Cornfield. Years later, while already understanding he is different than others, Smallville High student Clark Kent begins his journey towards his destiny. He begins discovering new abilities and strengths, which he uses to save the life of billionaire Lex Luthor. The pilot introduces the first of many meteor-infected victims, particularly in this case, Jeremy Creek, who had been tied to a post in Riley Cornfield as the traditional Smallville scarecrow during the 1989 meteor shower. The first thing I wrote down was like, wait a minute, did that kid die? <laughs> I, uh, right. <laughs> And then you see him later, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's the villain. <laughs> he's the, the villain of the week. I truly forgot about there being a villain outside. Uh, excuse me. I'm choking, apparently. Uh, <laughs> a villain outside of um, Whitney, who is, like, the bully, like, Clark's bully, who's, like, the um, quarterback or whatever. He He's such an asshat. He's also Lana's boyfriend. And mm-hmm. they set him up to be very unlikable. 
uh but he he becomes much more likable later yeah but in he, this in this episode he's just the worst and for no good reason and um and I really, he was such a standout to me, I guess, because of that. And so no, I, I think his no good reason was the fact that Clark googly eyes his girlfriend. Often. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's fair. Literally falls down at her feet. Um, he's a bully. I was like, he seemed, though he was kind of like an asshole, he was still like a typical jock ass, but he didn't seem like super mean to Clark whenever he like fell down he's like dude are you okay <laughs> you look like you're gonna hurl it was just really funny I was like I remember him being much more of an asshole and maybe he is more so through the show I do know that he gets kind of like a story and something happens with his dad or whatever yeah his dad dies um Yes, <laughs> something happens with his dad. No, he <laughs> the he biggest dies. thing <laughs> of all happens to his dad, Venus. <laughs> uh, but I guess that story humanizes him or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was like, I probably, as a fucking dumb teenager, would be salty if I thought my girlfriend or or my boyfriend or whoever was like flirting with somebody else at like 14, 15. How old? No, he's older than them, right? Like he's. Yeah, I think he's like one year older. Okay. At least. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I couldn't remember even like having done a recent, we watched, I think I probably watched the pilot again back in the fall. And I, I truly couldn't remember when I was looking through the, the fandom wiki for the show today um that villain jeremy creek and but now like as we're talking about I'm like, oh yeah that was a big part because the same thing that happened to him was the same thing that was happening to clark and but i can't remember like where how it ended i mean i don't think he like died or anything I, you know that's that really doesn't happen often in this show like where the villain dies usually clark is able to somehow help them or rescue them and they either are shift off to the asylum or whatever for the you know meteor infected or they lose their powers and then they're just normal again you know like yeah it's um is the smallville scarecrow is that like its own villain or is that what jeremy creek is supposed to be i feel like that was like a separate villain in the comics right Oh, there is a villain, a Batman villain called the Scarecrow. Okay, this, maybe that's what I'm yes, talking about. The Smallville Scarecrow is just this thing that you think they would have made illegal in 1989 because the boy got tied to a post, the meteor shower hit, and then he's been in a coma ever since. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. So Smallville is fucking wild west corrupt huh if they're not i mean don't you think that's something they would have been like let's make this something that could get you arrested yeah am i I the only one that thinks that (laughs) like no i think it absolutely should have been but it it, you know it wasn't like you would think his parents like you would think his parents or whatever would have been like this is you know and then they made it like yeah lawsuits and shit you know like yeah but he got his justice i guess now that's the anti-hero yes. shit that i like <laughs> mm-hmm. i love a good anti-hero 
He had it coming. That's all we can do. <laughs> so Clark's arrival to Smallville via spaceship. Y'all, that shit was brutal, right? Like, Intense. you go into like, you're like, oh, we're about to watch this Superman story. And then we see people blow up. <laughs> Lots of property like, literally, damage. Like, Lana's five parents. minutes in. <laughs> Lana's parents like get crushed by a meteor right there in front of her. And I'm like, the trauma, like right? therapy First, for years. <laughs> I was like, I feel like they had so much time to get out of the way, but they wouldn't have made it far. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, Cause they did that I thing where they stop and look. <laughs> yes. I'm like, you, you see people running and you see stuff hitting the ground. Why are you stopping to look? Right. If I see someone run pass me the other way i'm probably going to follow them i don't need to know why if they're running there has to be a reason like yeah who's out here just running for no no reason in the middle of the day you do wonder how it how you would respond if you like look up and you see like this giant meteor hurling towards you or you may not even like red register it as a meteor you may just be like you're trying to figure out what the fuck it is and like which direction it's coming and then before you realize it it's it's right there in front of your face i it's i see people screaming and running in the other direction i'm running yeah fair fair yeah (laughs) i feel like i would too uh but then there is that whole like um i heard someone recently describe it on a podcast and it, it made a lot of sense where like it's that thing it's like what deer do whenever they are um caught off guard or surprised by like something that's potentially threatening or deadly they just freeze because the like and it's in their dna to do that to protect themselves so that the thing that's threatening them that's coming towards them may not notice them if they're still and it's kind of something humans do as well it's like a primal sort of thing and I'm like oh I've never thought about it that way which is why a lot of people you know freeze in the face of fear but I mean there is that whole fight or flight and I think that some people do it and some people don't some people absolutely take flight and get the fuck out of there and then some people freeze I guess and then other people fight I don't know <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know but uh I would like to think gone. that my legs would kick in and like I would I would run first and ask questions later also I was like who was out here taking pictures because because the picture that close-up they do of Lana is like the picture that's on Times Magazine and I was like who was out there what (laughs) what intrepid reporter at the Smallville Gazette was out there like I gotta get these shots I gotta get it I gotta get it like, oh, a crying toddler. Let me stop and take a picture of her after she just witnessed her parents get They were just walking around going, space Pulitzer, 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 Pulitzer. I'm getting one. Is it Pulitzer or Pulitzer? Pulitzer. Okay, so I was saying it right. Okay. Yes. So, but Keita, as a photographer, you wouldn't have been out there snapping and clicking uh, and... I don't know. I don't know. Because again, (laughs) if I thought I was in a good place, I'd probably try to get a couple of shots. But uh, no, I think I'm running. I think I'm running. Like, no thanks. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's an intense scene for sure. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, 
it's rough and um you know it's not the only meteor shower we get in smallville throughout the series and that the second one's just as brutal and very fun to watch i forgot there was a second meteor shower did that bring a villain oh was that i mean of course um we didn't say this already but clearly they're going to be spoilers we're talking about the pilot of a show uh I'm not, I don't remember enough to spoil anything for Jonah, um, but we'll probably spoil (laughs) up until what he's watched. (laughs) So you're now warned. What is that? Like this show is over 10 years old since it aired. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 20 years since it first premiered. I like, and and at this point with our podcast, Keenan, if, anybody, if anybody's out there clicking on to listen to our podcast and they see a name of a show they haven't watched yet, that's on them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're clicking on a episode to listen to. Or what if they're not listening? You... They're just like listening to our episodes and then they get to this one and they don't know what's going on. They're just like, oh, they're going to talk about the pilot. Maybe this will give me a reason to watch it. Some people may talk about yeah. stuff without spoiling it. So I just feel yeah. like it's nice to say. Yeah. Um. So the Kents. I... What did you, how did you feel about the casting for Martha and Jonathan for like Smallville? Um, over time, I think they were great. I don't think they gave Martha enough to do in this episode. You know, she was just like longing for a child the whole time. You know, that, that was kind of her note. You know what I mean? I feel like they were giving Jonathan a lot to do in this episode. Martha was just kind of like, what's going on? The car's what more did you want Martha to do? <laughs> I mean, I feel like Jonathan just got a lot of, Jonathan got a lot more, even like more As interaction he with did Clark. throughout the series, right? Like, I mean, I think that's just a theme. Like they gave, they always gave Jonathan or uh, um, played by, oh, why am I blinking? Why am I blinking on his name? I can't remember. Exactly. Isn't he one of the Dukes? Isn't he one of the Dukes of Hazards? Like yes, the original yes, Duke? Yes, yes, I think he's like Bo yes. Duke. He was the one that always had a bolt. John Schneider. John Schneider. The bolt. Yeah. <laughs> always had a bolt. Yeah. Listen. Uh, John Schneider. He was such a dad. I was like, oh, I forgot how hot he was. <laughs> oh, so. Wait, he hasn't done anything. Man. He hasn't done anything scandalous, right? Like. Mm. Ugh. Not scandalous per se. I mean, but like, I I will just say this. I don't think he is someone who is very like super beloved among the liberal Hollywood types, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Oh no, is he a Trumper? I don't know that he's a Trumper. I do think he's just like, especially conservative um, to the point that, like there was something he had said something I think the closest to scandalous that he had gotten was probably back in like 2020 or maybe before where he had said something that was seemingly problematic um I can't remember exactly what it was but there was something that made me kind of like "Mm, side eye him and it just kind of like gave me a bad taste in my mouth for him like and I can't remember exactly why. I'm sure if you Google John Schneider, oh, like I'm know. currently doing that now. 
Mm. Oh, well, he went to jail for unpaid alimony in 2018, I guess. Oh. I mean, that's shitty, but that's... (laughs) Did they get him canceled? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to dig into this because now I want to know. I don't feel like he got fully canceled. I think it was like a semi-cancellation. Like, it was like a, mm-mm, we're going to cancel you. <laughs> and then like, you better. And then, he, but since then, he lost, he, in a, tor- I don't know if it was a tornado or a hurricane or something, ironically, um, he lost his farm. Like, he lived on a farm. Oh. And it, his farm was, like, damaged, severely damaged or distorted. He had been trying to raise money for that, too. So, since that happened I was I was like oh that's such a bummer because um and it it is interesting to note that he is very much like his Jonathan Kent character I think in terms of like his interest and like his style like he's I think he's a true like man's man former guy and that's very much who he is as Jonathan Kent I see what it so what happened was um it looks like in 2021, he made a comment about, so you remember the Dukes of Hazard, the car, their car is called the General Lee. And there was a right. wax painted on top of it, which was always very fucking awkward. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I know lots of like people that watch Dukes of Hazard, but I know specifically that was so fucking wild and awkward. And it's like, they really wow somebody okayed that for television you know what i mean and uh even at the time it was like still you okayed that for television um but anyways he tried to speak positively of the of the message but i'm like well here's your issue it's like you went i can look so his quote was it was the older uneducated generation that wanted to remove it from the series from the remove the series from the airwaves um he went on fox news and was like i don't know i don't know he probably said some some shit that was like we didn't mean it that way and blah 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 blah, blah. probably threw in some I mean, history bullshit you, and then all you have ugh. to say is he went on fox news and then that's all I need exactly to i'm like damn uh so well that sucks anyway lame yeah, but as so Jonathan Kent, very, very lovable and got a lot of the heavy lifting. And he's a great actor. I mean, he, he's very convincing as uh, the father, of, the human father of Superman. And and um, Annette O'Toole, who plays Martha, she, she was able to do a little bit more. I still feel like they didn't utilize her to her best potential. You know, what's going, but, what's going on with Jonathan now where where you are? Oh, he's like super dead. Okay. Oh, so you're super far. So you've seen those yeah, episodes like where, yeah, nine. I keep forgetting. So like all this stuff when she was like working for Lionel Luther and like yes. him, like, well, like when she was like getting some scenes and she was getting like having to like mm. pop off on Lionel Luther and like hand it, like getting him together. I was like, okay, Annette O'Toole. Yes. Yeah. Annette O'Toole is a wonderful actress has always been incredibly underrated 
There was one made-for-TV movie. It was like a Lifetime movie that um, I remember watching as a kid with Annette O'Toole, and it was called Dead by Sunset or something like that. And when I tell you that is a movie, that's one of those TV movies that like stands out for me in my head because watching her perform, even at a young age, she gets murdered in that movie by her abusive husband. And that scene where he's like murdering her and like it's the acting there she does such extreme physical acting um and she does some of that in smallville too but not nearly to that extreme where there's like a vein that shows up in her head that just like is there's like a vein she has in her forehead that is just like so intense when she's like screaming or like it is it's just so dramatic watching her perform that her it, she's one of those actors actors who like performs with her whole body it's not she's just good. like a stationary performance you know yeah she you was doing I mean? a lot of face work in this episode like that that's what she did like she had very few lines lots of face work you know yeah yeah uh, they were a great pairing i think in the long run yeah i i really i really did like them and their relationship with clark and I'm trying to, I didn't do the math to sort out how Clark, old Clark was when he found them in the flipped over car. Um, if he's, I, I think it was like, he was about probably around like five, maybe. Okay, or five. I remember... Like- yeah, four or five, maybe. But because I okay. was thinking he's the same age as Lana, about around the same age. And Lana was very young, like, like probably like kindergarten preschool age, right? That's what she looked like. I don't know how to tell ages of children. I don't understand how it works. <laughs> um, I just don't understand how it works. Um, but I was like, that kid looked old enough to remember like crashing in a. <laughs> spaceship I don't know it just felt weird yeah uh, and he was always like stronger you would think they would have told him something and I can't remember how it all works out in the Superman mythos like does he exhibit certain powers and then everything kind of comes like like with this it seems like he has the speed and the strength and then everything else comes throughout the first season right mm-hmm. like the heat vision and the hearing and the cold breath yes. yeah well really throughout the series I mean like because he you know he's like well the season even the season I'm in he can jump really high and far but he can't fly yet um yeah and so that's which I have my own issues with but like <laughs> that was a that was a choice by Tom Welling um yeah, well, that was, I, so there was a no flights, no tights uh, kind of in the contract rule yes. in the contract. And they mm-hmm. kept trying to say, hey, mm-hmm. I think it's time. And he's like, no. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, that's a little interesting. But I think he, yeah, I think Tom Welling really signed on to be 
uh, Clark Kent and not Superman. Yes. Clark Kent, strictly the origin story, which I appreciate and respect that. And I actually kind of yeah. like that in a, in a way, but I also do feel like you have all these other things. I'm like, I don't know, but we do see him fly at certain a certain point before the end of the series. Like mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. I think it's in season, is it in season like four or five because he um something happens and he is something with Jarrell like he takes away is it like a end of the season beginning of a season thing like where he goes to like train with Jarrell which is no yeah I'm remembering that wrong there, yeah, it's something or, like that because you see him taking flight in all black. He's wearing like a yeah. black shirt or something. And it's it's like a scene in the opening credits that they run in the opening credits yeah. for many seasons. And it, I can't remember exactly what the storyline around does, that was. Does he but. essentially take like his humanity away? It, like, al- it's almost like how... Something like, like that? Like Did his, he flip his, his humanity switch? That's what it, <laughs> it very much seems like. Like he, like his ties to to Earth and his like human loved ones have been stripped so that he could strictly focus on training or something. I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but... Um, yeah. It's an interesting moment yeah. in the series. And it was it was fun to see him fly like that it was it was very fitting for tom i'm like i think i think if he could have pulled it off if he you know yeah wanted to yeah speaking of good chemistry on screen um michael rosenbaum who plays lex luther and tom (sighs) welling have such great chemistry like both as friends and as enemies and potential lovers, because who did not want that to happen? And even the as I was watching chemistry. the, the <laughs> like the tension, the sexual tension between them just was so <laughs> the the scene when Clark goes back to give okay. Um let's hit something, runs off the road, hits Clark. Clark saves his life. Lex intrigued. Lex is intrigued. Lex buys his truck as a gift to Clark. And Jonathan is like, no, you can't have it. Let me tell you where this money came from. <laughs> and Clark, Clark goes to give the truck back. And the scene, um, when that scene, when Lex turns around with this like little coy smile and says, how far did you fall from the tree? I was like, oh my God. Oh my, that was sexual. Oh, I had a full moment. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to go back and rewatch that scene. Now. Go watch. I'm serious. Go back. Just the look that he gives him because Clark explains why he has to give the truck back. And Lex says, well, I guess he assumes that Apple didn't far, fall far from the tree. And he just cockily looks back at Clark and says, did you fall far from the tree? I was like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, they exchange those steely glances that they do throughout this series. 
Yes. We'll, we'll have well, to do a little also, video of the silly glance. Yeah, of just the and then well, and Clark also always has this really like shy Bambi-ish sort of like smile. This like this sort of smile that's so obvious that he's trying yes. to hide something like he doesn't want to say too much but he's like you know like oh no that's i don't know what you're talking you know like it's just that yes. look that he just gives Ugh. constantly throughout the series like he plays innocent very well um and lex is very flirtatious and very charming as yes. a character and he is throughout the entire i mean like rosenbaum's performance of him i don't know a better lex luther honestly to to date he is one of my favorite lex luthers john crier came into supergirl and he really kind of stole stole the show and i was Mm. like you're no rosenbaum but you're a close fucking second but i Mm. will always stand me a Michael Rosenbaum looks up there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And there's also something that was really like attractive about their relationship was that, you know, Lex kind of, you know, is in the role of like sugar daddy in a way is, is how it feels with Clark because he's always providing him like resources and, mm-hmm. you know, he mm-hmm. tries to throw money at him several times, like, or like, you know, nice gifts at him throughout the yes. first few episodes and in first season and and he's just always there for whatever Clark needs or wants and he just kind of takes care of him but it's really more like yeah. a, a brother but, a brotherly relationship yes. but it's, it's the only way he yeah it's the only way he knows to show affection is you know like mm-hmm. materialism and so that's how he shows how much he cares for Clark but what's sad is that all he wants from Clark is the truth and he never gets it. Yeah. Can you imagine like how different would things have gone if very early on Clark was like, I have power. He doesn't even have to say he's an alien. I think at this point, like they start to establish that there are metahumans in the world. Mm They never had to like out Clark as an alien. They could have just said he was a metahuman and they don't know where his powers came from or that he was a meteorite kid. Like I never understood why he didn't just say like meteor rocks gave me this thing, but some, for some reason I'm like weak around them. Mm -hmm. I think because he does share that secret ultimately with other people in his life, of course, as we know his, his other friends, but I think it's just because Clark just at the root of it did not trust Lex. Even no. when they were close friends, he just didn't trust him. There was, I think there was an instinct there and I think he was right. I do think that their relationship and friendship probably would have last much, lasted much longer and, and Lex would have had a little bit more redeeming um, like qualities and storyline had he known the truth. But ultimately I think Lex would have tried to use Clark um, for like in ways that were not totally right or ethical or moral but in his eyes he would have thought that it would have been the right thing you know what I mean and that's a much more interesting story don't you think 
Oh, yes. Yes. Because I feel like the way that they <laughs> cut it is just so black and white. And I'm like, well, in a way, I do feel like there were moments where Lex was very morally gray and they made him mm-hmm. more comp- complex um, in that way. But uh, in the bigger picture, it just felt like they, the way they were setting it was very black and white. I'm like, I right. I think well, I would have because- preferred to see a relationship where like Lex did know the truth about Clark from earlier on. Right. Right, because like it gives it puts Lex and Clark's father at more of an opposition because if Clark is trying to work for Lex, like Jonathan is not gonna go for that. And so there's a lot of dynamic there that's probably gonna give a lot for Annette tool to do because she's gonna be like in the middle of all of that. Yeah, I would have been much more interested in that story than like keeping Lex in the dark because it was kind of frustrating. And then he's supposed to be so intelligent, like Lex should have figured this out already, you know? Yeah. And that's why I it, never well, it's understood like that why. unspoken thing where it's like he always sort of knew it seemed, but didn't, they didn't really say it. Like it was just, he always suspected and he was always suspicious. And it was even like when it was truly revealed, I think it was more like, I knew it, you know, like he, I think he even says those lines at some point, like I knew it. And then he also talks about like, whenever they're fighting, I think Lex at that point has like later in the series, there's a point where Lex gets the same powers as Clark. I think maybe because he was possessed by um, um, Zod or something like that. Or okay. that was a weird, I can't really exactly remember how that worked out, but like he ended up being comparably powerful to Clark. And he's, he's talking about the things that we could have done. We could have changed the world or something. Like if you had just told me the truth and I'm like, mm, I do think you could have changed the world. I don't know if it would have been for the better because I think he would have mm. ultimately used it for selfish purposes yeah. or mis- misled um morality yeah and i think that's where (laughs) and that's where like the ultimate superman versus you know uh, lex luther like story would go to come from there um there's like an i think it was the hundredth the hundredth episode of supergirl they kind of explore um because in supergirl's world like she is friends with lena luther his ex lex luther's ex Lex Luther's half sister. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> and it's the same thing where like uh Supergirl never tells Lena who she is. And it drove her to be a villain. And by the time she found out, she was like, it's too late. I'm going to really? out Supergirls. Yes. And but that's what happens when they eventually tell her. But there's an episode where they show like what would have happened if she like told Lena who she was off the bat. And I'm like, let's explore it. I wonder if the, uh, I'm like, hey, can they explore that story in the animated series they're working on? You mean like uh, Michael Roosevelt and Tomlin? And yes, yes. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I. So, you know, I'm not big into animated, but that mm-hmm. is one that I think I would probably watch because I I really want to know what their approach to it would be. And I think they have an allegiance to those characters for obvious reasons because they embodied yeah. them for so long. 
and put so much of themselves into those roles that I think they would handle it very delicately and do justice to the fandom. Yeah, almost definitely. So good, those two. Mm -hmm. So good. He also had some really, really great chemistry with Kristen Kirk. Kirk? Kirk? Crook. 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 Kristen Crook. Yeah, say that five times fast. (laughs) Kristen Crook. I've never been able to say her name properly, but their scenes are so sweet together. Clarks and Monos? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's very... But they do the whole will they, want they... For oh, so that was too long. much. It was too it much. Was, it was so CW of them, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then the same with Lois, and we've talked about that before, how frustrating that is. That's been the biggest issue I've had with this show is, like, the way they drag that out so much. Mm-hmm. But then you have, like, other ran, random, like, love interests they throw in, like, the meteor-infected, um, I forget her name, but... Um, mm-hmm. I know she, who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, she has she has those abilities and um and, and she the one did she so go quickly. invisible? Is she the one that turns um, invisible? Yeah, so something like that. Yeah, and but you know, I think they were able to play on that, like I'm so different and you're different too. You have powers. Right. right. You can't tell anybody about your secrets either. Oh my god, we're in love because we're going through the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I do, you know, I do really like what they did with Lana's character, though, um, because the, what, the direction they take her in, you know, they ultimately give her abilities, and those are, the way they do it is, like, she chooses to have them, she goes through this, like, uh, procedure to, to obtain these abilities, and in doing so, actually, gives her the ability to save Clark and Metropolis or the world like in you know in doing that and absorbing that um um kryptonite bomb that um Lex tries to unleash you know like I don't know if you remember all that but like and I I don't remember too much of, of her arc but I remember her having powers but I don't remember I remember having powers. I remember something about like something Egyptian. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I remember an episode where she and Chloe and someone else were witches. Oh, yeah. Um, um, Lo- uh, Lois. Lois. Was it Lois? Lana. I mm-hmm. couldn't remember if it was that that late or not. But I was Oh, like, that's okay. one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite episodes, honestly. Oh. Uh. Because there's one point where they're like, I feel like they're stripping Clark down or something, or they're like, they're like holding him down. I'm like, oh God, this is a fantasy I didn't know I wanted. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it was very hot. <laughs> magic um, and Superman. Yeah, Superman's like super susceptible to magic. So that. Here's like- my thing though. Here's my issue with that. Like, so Clark, what they do with Lana and her story arc is so much more profound and like um interesting than what they do with lois 
story arc later i feel i don't feel mm-hmm. like lois has as much of an interesting story i feel like okay so she's a an overzealous reporter who doesn't know how to stop asking questions you know like but she's also a super badass like you know and kicks ass right out of the gate but like i don't know i just feel like there's they just do so much more with lana's character and they give her a like a like a better like sent out i guess uh, i don't know yeah. I, that, that's me talking as someone who hasn't finished the series yet but i feel like i'm far enough into it to you know know yeah a, i do think bigger. they they probably felt they had more room to tell a story about lana because not as many people mm-hmm. are familiar mm-hmm. with lana as they are with lois so they knew Fair. when they brought lois in they had only one direction they could go and that is like yeah make her a reporter get them to metropolis make them mm-hmm. eventually fall in love. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember if she knows that he is Superman by the end. I want you to tell me when you watch it. Like, I don't know if she knows. I don't I don't remember any of that. But like on Man of Steel, like Amy Adams, Lois Lane, like she knows he's Superman. On Superman and Lois, like they're in a place where she knows he's Superman. And I love those stories Keenan, a bit if more. i get to the end of smallville the end of season 10 and she still does not know that he is superman you will know because i will be screaming the top of my lungs <laughs> and you will hear it from across town i will i will get seen in the streets i will rage there will <laughs> be some bullshit um, law enforcement <laughs> officers there will be like I, I would I would lose my shit. I would lose my shit. I would go berserk. Yeah. I would feel so betrayed as and I'm like, I don't I know I feel like that's not gonna be the case. I do feel like she knows because I feel like I remember seeing a I don't know, I think something got spoiled for me at some point that makes me leads me to believe that they do end up she does end up knowing who he really is. But um Okay. But yeah, I'll <laughs> I would I would go fucking crazy. You better not fuck with me like that, Smallville. <laughs> anyway. I just remembered something, but now I need you to just like, I guess whenever we we'll do like a bonus episode and recap the the finale, that'll give me a reason to at least watch season 10. Mm. Um there oh God. These this is the pinnacle of the like 22 episode season show, isn't it? Oh. It's so okay. So here's the thing about is this one all that started. <laughs> 22 well, no, episodes, like hour long drama. And they did it with Buffy, you know? They did that's it with right, Charm, Buffy and Charms. Yeah. Like it, right, it was Keenan. very much wow. a formula for a long time with network television, you know, like to to do the 20 to 22, and I want to say even in some cases 24 episodes yes. like, seasons. And I'm like, that's just that is too much for viewers and it's way too much for the cast. Come on. Like, come on. Yeah. You're asking them and you can hear, you know, that's the case because you hear about them talking about it in interviews on podcasts and stuff. Like, you know, when Tom Welling and Kristen Crook and all of them go on to uh, Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, um, inside of you, they talk about that a lot. How he didn't need that plug. Talk- he did not need that plug. <laughs> <laughs> okay you can go back and cut it out then 
um but like they talk about how hard it was on them to do those really long days so 12 and 15 hour days and like having yeah. to drive while they're so tired all the time and like them all get the cast all getting together to like pitch like um root for tom like getting a driver so that he didn't have to drive so so late when he was tired um i'm like that's so wild to me they put them through all of that just to produce a show um and i forgot where i was going with this point honestly (laughs) where was i going all the while all the while to find out that the cw was making no money <laughs> right. I find that really hard to believe. I find that really hard to believe. But I, mean, I, I think level... what I'm saying is Oh, finish your thought. Sorry. No, I was just I was just saying what I the point of me saying all that was when you when you live in a time like we live in now where we can binge seasons that are like, you know, nine to or yeah, uh, like even seven to eight episodes up to like maybe 16 episodes like on streaming platforms and binge that to to go back and watch binge shows like this that are like 22 episodes over the course of 10 seasons. It is a fucking chore. Okay. Yeah. It's exhausting because there's a lot of filler episodes that I don't give a fuck about, you know? Yeah. I do believe that they had there was really no plan for this kind of like binge model, being able to rewatch these shows. Like I think by then they were releasing DVD because even the DVDs of Charm took a while to come out before they started selling those. So I'm thinking like all the, maybe those dramas that started in the 2000s eventually started getting DVDs. But I I just don't think that there was any long-term thought of this being a thing. And so they were just telling this very long story, not thinking that people were going to, A, go back and rewatch them and that their audience was going to be smart enough to catch, you know, sometimes when there wasn't consistency in their plots. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's uh, cause I, because I do have season one on DVD, I, I did not have time to do it, but I originally said, let me at least try and watch the, prom like the dance scene because I wonder if the music was the same you know I constantly constantly complain about Charmed not having the same music in the series as it did originally because they didn't plan on the right like having rights to that music for so long so they had to like put something in there could you imagine a prom scene in Buffy without Wild Horses playing while she and Angel are dancing? Riot. I, I would I riot. I could not imagine any other song there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now that the song at the end of the pilot, that, you roll out what? That song, I think that was kind of like the Lana Clark emotional song throughout that season. Am I making that up? Uh, Yeah, there was... Uh, you're all I want, you're all I need, or something like that. Yeah, yeah that song, was, yeah. Was... I feel like it's played other times in the they, show. Uh, and then there's like a You and Me, I think, by Lifehouse. Like, there was, there were, they used a lot of Lifehouse m- music from that time, and um, yeah. I loved Lifehouse. Like, they, they were one of my favorites. I own um, that some other albums and I did just, catch. The music was so nostalgic when I could l- listen yes. back to it or watch it. When he, after he, um, like, 
finished the villain of the week and he saw Lana kissing Whitney in the prom. Like he went back to the barn and then he fantasized about her coming to the barn and they danced together. Um, and I noticed that when he hit play on the radio or somebody hit play on the radio, it said Lighthouse. I didn't see the name of the song, but I did see Lighthouse. And can we talk about that uh, <laughs> that telescope and how he's a creeper? <laughs> that telescope, like, okay. <laughs> and it's I'm always like, pointed at her house. <laughs> yes, I want to be like, Martha Kent, do you know what your son is doing Like, Like, bitch, you are not looking at the stars. You know, you're looking right into her bedroom. <laughs> You ain't fooling nobody. Uh, I'm like, so Superman is a creeper. Uh, I also want to point out that what is he supposed to be like, 14 or 15 years old? Oh, God. No, I thought he was older than no. that. Like 16 no. at least. No, he's because he's supposed to be a freshman. So is he? I think he's supposed to be a freshman. I thought they were at least sophomores. I thought super, I think he was supposed to be either 14 or 15 years old in this show. Not, he is a grown ass Fully boy. all look like <laughs> college freshmen and not yes. high school freshmen. Every single one of them. Maybe the only person that could have pulled it off was like Pete, but he, he, that's just because he's really short. <laughs> um, and I think even Pete had said, they, I need to go back and watch that scene, but I think Pete says something like, uh, every year they pick a freshman to be the scarecrow. Right, right, right. Yes, 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 yes. You're right. Um, oh, that's so... He's so young. Like, and that freshman with like a six-pack like that? Like, come on. <laughs> I was like, that's uh, inappropriate. <laughs> How dare they <laughs> make the world I know. lust over this? Uh, because Superman and Lois, when they do their like episode called Smallville, and they flash back to a young Tyler Hecklin. He looks like a small, like a 15-year-old, like very skinny kid who just so happens to have this super strength. And it's much more, I was like, Tom, this is supposed to be Tom Welling. <laughs> and then I was like, no, they actually have a kid doing this role in Superman Lois. Maybe it's because he grew up on a farm and he was always doing those like the farm chores and stuff and like lifting bells of hay and tractors and shit. I don't know. Bill, you know, we got to flip a tractor every now and then. Oh my God. <laughs> he is like, like what is that? They're just like his... lifting tractors for like a workout or something. Or putting his arm and fucking um, leaf mulchers, breaking expensive ass equipment. I'm like, you know. Jonathan does not have the money to replace this equipment, Clark. Okay, but on that note, can we talk about how much fucking equipment and like they've destroyed in the show over the years on that farm? I can only imagine that farm has like been wiped off and then rebuilt. I'm like, what, what are your insurance premiums? <laughs> All the while they're struggling to like make mortgage payments, and he like lost the farm at one point you know i'm like well, yeah because you're fucking destroying everything like <laughs> your son's having intergalactic fucking battles out in the cornfield <laughs> wild oh wow and then it you have so another sort of formula that i think that the wb and shows like like this that follow like 
teenagers has is like a Scooby gang and yes! has his own sort of yes! Scooby gang in Chloe and Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, like our Buffy Scooby gang, it took them a while to find out. Like Pete found out first, right? And then like Pete yes. had to keep it secret from Chloe. Um, and you know, like Xander and, and Willow knew off off the bat, like just from yes. jump, they were in it. Like and, episode one. <laughs> yeah. And I love that, just like Naomi, like Naomi went to uh, Annabelle and was like, girl, I'm an alien. <laughs> and Annabelle was there like, okay, let's let's sort this shit out. You know what? I, I feel like in a way, and I don't mean this as a dig at the writers or anything, but I feel like in a way it's um it's cheapening your characters and it's not giving your characters the benefit of the doubt or enough credit to withhold something so vital to the storyline and like that kind of secret about the the lead who's really close to them being like this superhuman or a super powered being um whereas like with Buffy you know it is discovered early on like in the first episode because they're put in harm's danger and they have no choice but to just know yeah. and I mean but the same thing happens with Chloe and Pete all the time they're constantly put in harm's danger and they're like and, and Clark's always having to like rescue them on the fly in a very like uh sly like discreet manner and they still never trust those characters with the information and i feel like it's a little bit of a slap in the face um to them because we know that they're both they're capable of handling chloe ends up becoming like like the fucking like centerpiece for all the the superheroes she's watched person in the chair yeah she's the person in the chair yeah pulling all the strings and all the flipping all the switches and like the techie you know um mastermind or whatever so pulling pulling the strings and masterminding chloe mm-hmm. yes that's that's exactly what she did whereas poor pete the burden of knowing clark's secret was just too much for him which i thought was such a cop out for i'm like was it the actor's choice to write him out or was it like the writers because they didn't they didn't mm. feel like they had it they weren't like able to use him as impactfully as they were like chloe and everything because let's face it pete wasn't a super dynamic character he didn't have a lot to offer um I feel to the story because he he was just always like the side piece you know well he was the token black character as that started to happen in all of these shows around like the late 90s early 2000s you go into these series where they have like one black character and they don't get a lot of story, yeah, you know. So frustrating. All, and then when they do, it's something fucking sad, or you know what I mean. Like, and I feel like that happened with Pete. Like Pete's stories revolved around him wanting to be popular or wanting to get the girl, but never could yeah. for whatever. Super or like every girl was into Clark. And what's you know, even or, more stereotypical? An, a great athlete, an excellent athlete. And I'm like, come on, like that is so. I would have liked to have seen uh, what do you think about this i would have loved to have seen pete develop powers and become a superhero that is incorporated into the league so to speak um 
and is there through the end of the series i would have yeah. liked to have seen that as much as i would have as I, much as i enjoyed seeing chloe come into her own as a centerpiece of like their team you know like i would have yeah. i think that that and i think if it was if smallville was done today i feel like that's probably they would have leaned way more into yeah they will well they would have done a much better like they would have adapted another comic book character and maybe pete would have ended up being steel you know like mm-hmm. um you know he probably they probably would have adapted another character and just like turned pete into that person mm-hmm. um but yeah they they didn't do well with pete like they were like okay we're gonna let him have have this little bit of knowledge over chloe but he ain't gonna be able to handle it you know mm-hmm. i with and with chloe i i know we're not gonna talk too much about her because how problematic that actress is you know but um i always said that i related the most to chloe but like because she was like, you know, she was a reporter. She asked questions and she was always trying to get to the truth. And she um, she had a more sense of self before anyone else did in that show. Um, and, but the way they make her fawn after Clark for so long and just obsess over him and, and just be, like they do it, they drag it out for way too long. And mm-hmm. it to me, that also cheapens her character. You know, I'm like- Yeah, yeah. CW fied her. <laughs> like I got CW fied. Like that's a that's a bummer. Like I guess at the time she would have been WB. She would have been yeah. She would have been WB at the time. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of like that thing that. I mean, the same thing happened in Buffy. You know, if you think about it with like between Willow and Xander and then between Xander and Buffy, like it, it was drawn out a little too long. I feel like more so with Xander than it was with like Willow and Xander. Like it was more so with Xander and Buffy. Yeah. Like he was just like, he was hanging on to her for too long and was salty yeah. when he shouldn't have been, when he should have just moved on. Yeah, and, and, caused, like, and caused problems, right? Like, mm-hmm. He caused problems. His his petty jealousy caused problems because had he given Buffy Willow's actual message, she probably could have kept him from opening a Catholic. Mm-hmm. But we won't go there. We won't go there right now. I don't have the emotional like <laughs> energy. <laughs> so so toxic. <laughs> Sander. Oh, Xander. Um, yeah, so that's Clark and his major relationships. And, uh, you know, Lois comes a little bit later in the series. And like I said earlier, I think they knew they had one way to go with Lois. And um, I do like that when she came in, like journalism was not on her radar. Yes. Yes. But then the way they did it, it was like an overnight thing where like, oh, she has mm-hmm. no like necessary direction or plan in life. She's just kind of wandering and doing her own thing. And then like suddenly she's obsessed with journalism. It was just and she's very... just instantly good at it. But it was it was right. totally a slap in the face to Chloe. They were like, oh, we're just going to give Lois Chloe's yes. stories now. <laughs> you know, as a journalist myself, I the 
especially doing this watch this the watch the rewatch of the first half of the series and then like my me being new to the the second half of the series like i'm watching for the first time lois um be a reporter in like the writing like her she's so supposed to be so good as a reporter but like the writing is awful her writing is awful the headlines are terrible I'm like it's not how it's done and, you know it's one of those things when you know how uh, the industry yeah. works and like what is and what is and I'm sure it's the same way when doctors watch uh doctor procedurals, oh yeah like oh yeah procedurals it probably just oh yeah makes them cringe and scream at the tv yeah well <laughs> Uh, did they ever do the thing? Because, like, I think in the comics, Lois is supposed to be, like, a notoriously bad speller. Like, did they... Yes. Did they play yes. on that? Okay. I love that. You Which know, I did appreciate that. That did make it a little <laughs> more realistic for me. I did appreciate that. Because that is a thing that, uh, you know, a lot. there are a lot of reporters who aren't great at that. Um, I just happen to be great at all of it. But... <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of reporters aren't you know like it's not everybody's thing but they are they do they are really good at like investigating and like like pu pulling a story together so I love that little aspect that they threw in um about her but um yeah it's okay I gotta we gotta know I know that the fact that he was like a freshman in high school we have to put that aside to talk about Clark Kent's abs and his shirtlessness like he's all the way down to boxers hanging on that um it was it was beautiful thing. I wonder because I think he was an Abercrombie and Fitch model too so I'm now I'm wondering if he if he did any shoots with Alan Richardson so are mm. there pictures of of them hanging shirtless over each other somewhere in the in like the internet I'm like I mean like the, I hope they didn't do that to Alan Richardson because you know Tom Welling like come on like a god he's beautiful Alan's he's beautiful abs man. were fantastic yeah he had a nice body but I mean like you know he still does you can't <laughs> hold him up next to Tom Welling like Tom Welling literally embodies Superman and he he's he's not just it's not just that he's hot because he has a hot body he's actually a beautiful like man like he has beautiful features and um I don't know I just kind of feel like Alan Richardson is kind of basic honestly he just has a nice body I think she's actually more attractive now than he was when he was younger he Alan has Richardson. definitely gotten uh much more attractive in his uh daddy days I will have mm -hmm. to say um but when I first watched that Smallville pilot, I was a teenager. I was probably like a sophomore or junior in high school. And I, of course I was far from out. I had not self-identify and would not self-identify for many years to come as gay. Um, but when I tell you watching Tom Welling shirtless and just in his boxers on that post hanging there and he's dirty and sweaty. Uh, mind it, you, while Lex- woken something in me. While Lex was like frantically trying to untie his knots to get his man off the pole. <laughs> I was like, look at how concerned Lex is for his boo. <laughs> uh. I love how you were living your own fantasy with them on the side. 
I was like, they're in love. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, <laughs> uh, what if you, okay, what if when you rewatch, you rewatch Smallville with that in my, as if it's like them, the, the will they want they was them. And well, like, that was, that was, that was a lot of people ships. Like people shipped them. And they had such good chemistry and like the sexual tension between those characters. I, I'm telling you, go back and rewatch that scene of, of him giving those keys back and you tell me you don't feel a little something. <laughs> I will absolutely rewatch and, and through that lens and, and I'll hit you up after I do that. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Love it so much. Well, so got a little bit of trivia um, that we found courtesy of the Smallville Wiki on fandom.com that thought was really interesting about the pilot episode. So according to the producers, the scene at the graveyard um, with with Lana, um, aka Kristen Krug, this scene at the graveyard is one of the first scenes which Kristen Crook auditioned for in the show, and it's her first scene with Tom Welling. And I, I didn't realize that. I, I'm like, what point is that scene? Is that scene come before the school scene where he's falling? Like no, no, no. The in in the show that scene comes oh, well after. But again, right. as we discussed in another episode, they don't always do this stuff in chronological order true okay so that must be one of those situations um also this is the first and only episode which the theme song save me isn't featured which is also something i didn't realize like Mm -hmm. you know i was waiting for it yeah i was waiting for it and waiting for it and then like as soon as lana's parents got blown up i was like well this is where they're gonna play it no shit just kept happening so uh (laughs) yeah i was like oh they don't play the pilot okay yeah. And you know, as a as a fan of Smallville, you become very good at like knowing when to expect the theme song to pop mm-hmm. in. Like, you know, because we were talking about this earlier before we started recording about how it's funny they always do it at a moment when someone needs saving, they insert the theme song there. And it's like, okay, here's it. And then it is, and you're like, you feel so validated as a fan, you know? Oh my god! Yes. Do you not perform that with so much conviction every time it comes on? Like every, every time, time it comes it. on, I just let it play. I just love to hear that song. I limewired the shit out of that back in the day. Not limewire. <laughs> <laughs> and your computer died shortly afterwards. Right, because right, you know I have a Mac back then. Yeah. I used to make a very inappropriate joke about that. I'll tell you after the podcast. Because it's funny, but it's super inappropriate. Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> so the pilot episode runs for 48 minutes long, which was the longest single episode until the season four finale commencement, which runs at 50 minutes long. Um, this would ha- then be beaten by the double part episodes of Absolute Justice and the finale, which ran at over an hour each. As the more stuff they kept adding that was longer, the less of an interesting fact it became. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I was like, so wait, we're just counting like uh, it by a couple of minutes. I'm like, what? does that much even happen? Like they could have, they could have at least said this was what the fourth longest episode, and then given the <laughs> runtimes of the other ones and call it like 
it started to be like this was the longest one until this and then until this, until this. and then until until this. this yeah like, yeah i should have like vetted that one better <laughs> before i read it like it's not as interesting um i'll i'll take the next couple let's okay. see yeah the, the bridge that lex goes off is the Loeb bridge a reference to jeff Loeb, who wrote superman comic books and consulted on season two that's really cool that they had a yeah. comic book consultant um on that let's see david nutter previously directed 21 episodes of superboy from 1989 to 1992 when um, DC Universe app launched, or I guess it launched during the pandemic or right before the pandemic, um, I tried watching a couple of episodes of Superboy. I It was very, very 80s. Like, mm. <laughs> even for like that first episode, I was like, okay, I think I watched maybe two or three episodes and then I was like, okay, I'm good on this. Because I, you're probably Lois, not going to know this, but like, who who starred as Superboy? I do not remember. I don't. I don't think I recognize anybody. And there may have been like one person that I could have been like, "Oh, that's so and so from Whatchamadoodle. But I just, I don't remember seeing anyone that made me go, "Oh my god, that's such and such." Um, Someone called they had John two Hames Newton. And then they had a different person for seasons two through four. Um, this did have Lana Lang in it. So maybe there were people who were very familiar with Lana if they watched this. Um, yeah, John James different- Newton was the initial for season one. And then from seasons two through four was George Christopher. I don't know either. Of them. Oh, Gilbert Goffrey played someone in season two. Which is funny Not because yes, well, and see, I believe he voices uh, Mixix Pitalik in uh, the cartoon, but I'd have to double check that because the guy sounds like him. So cool, love, love, love. Maybe, maybe if this made its way to HBO Max, I'll I'll give it a a shot because I think everything that was on DC Universe. Um, Oh, wow. It launched in 2018. Wow. Okay. I think everything that was on DC Universe made its way over to HBO Max, except for Swamp Thing. (sighs) That's something I bitch about on another podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yes. So, David Nutter, and as we talked about him earlier, he... uh, he directed a lot of pilots that we loved. Um, the scarecrow prank that uh, okay, well, that is a weird way that they worded the sentence. The scarecrow prank that in which Clark was vi- victimized showed him hanging on a cross-like structure. Uh, this is the first of several times throughout the series that imagery of Jesus Christ alludes to Clark being a Christ-like figure. Um, which I think that is something we have all seen in mm-hmm. in Superman stories. I think even in um, the Superman, like Batman versus Superman, BB, BBS The Dawn of Justice, is that what it's called? Which in whichever <laughs> one that like, no, it's in Man of Steel. They do make a lot of um, like second coming and Christ kind of references mm-hmm. and yeah, because the idea is that Jor-El is God and that um, Clark is, um, or Kal-El is 
Jesus. I don't even think it's that deep because people don't know who Jor-El is. I think it's just the fact that he is uh, seen as a savior and it looks like he's doing good, you know, and he's a Superman. <laughs> uh, and lastly, it says that this is the first and only episode that shows Clark Kent carrying a skateboard. I don't even remember... I didn't remember that either. I'm like, God, it's like I didn't even watch this pilot. I'm like, how did I, I forget all of this so already? Just I watched just watched it. it back in the fall. Okay, so I wanted to say two things about the pilot. I was, okay, first, uh, Smallville was doing product placement from Jump because when Clark opens that refrigerator, there's like face out Mountain Dew and Pepsi in the door <laughs> of the refrigerator. I was like, damn, <laughs> off the bat. And then later, they're, I think, one of the first shows to really show the Apple on the computer on a Mac. Mm, yeah. Um, it, took, it took them forever to show it on Buffy. Like, there was always a sticker over, like, Willow's laptop, the Apple that would have been on Willow's laptop. And you go back and watch I wonder Buffy. if that was, I, no, I remember. I wonder if that was because Buffy wasn't as widely or warmly accepted. Um, as Smallville was. I never understand how that works. Like, they're like, we're not going to show your logo unless you pay us. Right? We don't think you're a cool enough show for our logo to be... Be shown. Like, I don't know. I never really understood how that happened, but you know product placement when you see it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the next thing was, so in the opening scene, like, you see um, after the quake and they flash forward to the future you see Clark um like googling or not I guess he wasn't googling but he was like looking uh, at news articles of of like metahumans and the first one references the fastest man alive and you could see it well enough to read the article so I read it and it was some guy named Scott Higgs and I was like oh my god was this like an easter egg it is not a person mm. but it was just alluding to there was another person who was running super fast before they introduced the flash mm. so they're they're thinking the thought from the screen rant article that i read because it was like um 10 things you didn't notice about um notice in smallville but they were all about the flash and i was like oh i'm happy to say that i noticed most of those but they think that there were plans to maybe introduce him earlier that didn't pan out Hmm. but be a lot of the show that didn't quite pan out the way that they want yeah now I could not read the second one because they the second article was about like a young I think it said South Korean kid who lifted a car over his like office dad or something so like at this point they're they're showing us that there are metahumans because that fastest guy I think it said he did the meter dash in 2.8 seconds if I remember the article correctly, but you can like pause it and it's it's clear enough to read. But I thought that was cool. Because ever since seeing Kirby on the screen, on that screen, I was like, damn it, I have to pay attention at every screen that's on the screen now. Yes. Otherwise you're gonna miss a good little thing. Yes. Yes, something's always hidden in plain sight, it seems. Those yes. Those writers are such sneaky yes. little stinkers. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't see the Tatum Ashbox 
in, in when they were in Dewey's room because that's like the camera was panning across. It kind of lingered there. It, do you remember seeing a picture of, of Tatum? No. It may have been a picture no, of Tatum or... After. Really? Because like they, I feel like they lingered on it. Oh, I'm sure they did. I was just so fucking stressed through that entire scene because I just expected Ghostface to, to come, pop in. Yeah. Like, and stab him. Like, I couldn't focus on anything except that. I was so distracted the entire time because it very much I, felt like that was what was going Understood. Happen. Yeah. Because I feel like there were a, a few of those, like, around the corner shots, you know? Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, scream. So. We have gone through like our character discussions and we've talked about the plot and uh, we've gone through some trivia. Jonah, where can we watch Smallville if if I decide to watch it? Well, if you have Hulu Plus, you can watch it on Hulu, which is where I'm currently streaming it at. Um, it's also why I did not go back and do like a fresher rewatch of the pilot because you know how Hulu does, just like any other streaming platform. Like when you go back, if you're a certain way into a series and you go back to rewatch another episode, then it's going to restart the thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what episode I'm on in season nine. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just try to remember <laughs> from the notes <laughs> like but um wow, wow. so that's where I'm doing um my rewatch at but you can like buy it you know like um the series and even just like single episodes on other places um that you can google and find I'm not gonna list here <laughs> <laughs> yes but most importantly you can stream it on the Hulu you can or stream. you can come to Keenan's house and watch it on all of his DVDs that he owns. I only own the first season. You only own the first season? Oh, I thought you. Yes, had all I. Of I clearly said I own the first season. I found it. <laughs> I found it in a bookstore in Portland. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't like hang on to like the first season. I thought yeah. that you just meant you found the first season at the bookstore and the others yes. just bought like locally. Yes. <laughs> So your your bad joke messed up my seamless segue. <laughs> You're welcome. So <laughs> I will start over. You can stream the show on Hulu, but you can stream us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Castbox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you would like to follow us, um, which we would love it if you did, we would love to connect with you. You could do that on Facebook at the Rewind Podcast One or give us a search uh, in the box uh, of the Rewind Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at the Rewind underscore pod or on Instagram at the Rewind Podcast. Same with TikTok. We are the Rewind Podcast on there as well. And on uh, multiple platforms, but especially TikTok, we love to post like, teasers and trailers and behind the scenes stuff so we would love it if you give us a follow on there it's it's all fun content yeah i i think i always see the the well because i'm never on tiktok so when i'm on it i always see that stuff like a week later i never open the app at this point i'm like should i just uninstall it um you can contact us, shoot us an email at therewindpodcast1 at gmail.com. You can leave a voicemail 
um, or rewind previous episodes of the podcast at anchor.fm slash rewind dash podcast. And uh, when you're streaming us, do us a favor, please rate and review and subscribe to the podcast, but mostly please rate. And if you want to give us a review, please make it nice. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, don't rate us or review us unless you like it. And we don't want your bad rates or reviews. <laughs> If you can't say anything nice, keep it to yourself. Right. Just uh, scream it into your like your phone when you're listening to it. Don't scream it into the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need any anything saying you dumb bitches. You have no idea what you're talking about. Please, please. Because we already know that. <laughs> please. No, we did not make this uh outline of the episode before we started recording. No, that did not happen. Jenna, where can they find you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Quirky Writer Guy or on Instagram at JS Taylor Writes. You can find me on Instagram at Keeks with a Camera, K-E-E-K-S with a Camera. You can find me on Twitter at VKT Walker. And if you're interested in hearing about my uh rant about uh Swamp Thing not being on the uh, WB at what is it called now HBO Max? Wow, fuck a duck HBO Max. Um, <laughs> fuck a duck. Please. Yes. Oh, you've never heard me say that before. Yeah, I'm like no, I've never heard you say fuck a duck. I've been saying fuck a duck for years. Um. Anyways, if you're interested in hearing me rant about uh. Swamp Thing not being on HBO Max, go listen to Justice League Dark Podcast. We just released a character spotlight episode of Swamp Thing. And with that said, everyone, be kind. And please rewind. Goodbye. Goodbye. Just be kind and listen to the rewind.